Why don't you take a seat this morning? For those of you who I haven't had the privilege of meeting before, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the team here at our True North, and it's great to be here on Sunday, on Carol Sunday of all days, uh, one of my favourite uh, Sundays of the year. And you know, I was thinking about best Christmas ever. I was trying to be a little bit too clever and come up with some hook about the best Christmas ever and I couldn't really do it. And so I was trying to just this morning in worship was just praying that God would help me be secure uh, in my message without a catchy title. And uh, I'm kidding, but I was worshiping God this morning and, and I just really felt him speak to me about our carols and, and about Christmas. And you know, I got a, a lot of friends who don't go to church and, and one of the comments they make is that as everybody is winding down for the year, the church is winding up. And which is awesome. It's a great thing. Jeff's excited about that, which is good. I don't know whether that's because work's winding down or because church is winding up or both. Win-win for Jeff. It's good. Uh, but, you know, they would often ask, is that, is that something, you're, you know, do you, do you not like Christmas because of how much you have to work and is it, is it bad and, and all the hours? And, and sometimes it can be easy as a church to think about all the things we do and compare it to having a job. But to be honest with you, the best Christmas ever for me is always when people find Jesus. Through what we do, and it's an easy thing to say, but it's so true that in every Christmas Eve service we do, every carols event that we do, in everything that we do, the best thing about Christmas is when the lights go on for someone and they figure out who Jesus is and what Christmas is about and that their story belongs in the Christmas story. And, uh, you know, I was uh, having a chat with some of our production guys uh, in the, in the lead-up to, to carols, and, and they love it. They, they do show after show. These guys are kind of what they do for a job and a living is, is, you know, sound and production at concerts. And they always talk about how much they love the carols, about how there's something different about it, how it's their favorite, uh, you know, uh, part of the year. One of them actually confessed to me that he, he sings carols for weeks and weeks in the lead-up as they're programming the staff. And I said I wouldn't tell anyone. Now I have, uh, but I won't mention his name. But, you know, they, they love it. It's their, their favorite thing on the calendar. And one of the guys was telling me that, he goes to swimming lessons with his, with his child and uh, he discovered there through talking to some of the other parents that they actually go to carols. And uh, he was like, oh, we love it and, and, and how do you find it? And she said, well, to me, honestly, it's a bit churchy. And he's like, oh, please go on. This guy, not a Christian, doesn't, doesn't actually, you know, I invite them to church and they use a few uh, different words that can't be used here to, to kind of let me know their RSVP that they won't be coming. But, uh, you know, they're not, they're, they're not great fans of, you know, church yet or, or Jesus yet. But he goes, oh, go on, tell me about it. He goes, well, you know, they, they sit there and they, they talk about Jesus and they, you know, it's so preachy. And, and he's like, what are you going to? And they're like a carols event in the park. And he's like, yeah, put on by a, and they're like a church. And she's like, do you not think it's okay for the church to talk about God and the church at their event that they're putting on at, at Christmas time? And she's like, no. <laughs> and he's like, what, what is it again that we're, we're celebrating? This is my non-Christian friend. And he's like, she's like, Christmas. And he's like, yeah, tell me a bit more about Christmas. And he goes, do you not think it would be okay for the church who believe in Jesus, who put on this free event for everyone to come to, when the songs are written about Jesus to take maybe five minutes in a message to talk about Jesus at a church event in the park? And she kind of just froze and was like, yeah, I guess so. And realized that her argument was just becoming more and more ridiculous. But I love that this guy, I was like, mate, you've become one of us. You're like defending, you're defending Jesus. And he was like, don't push it. And he's like, I'll tell her not to come next time. But I love it that this guy has no real understanding of who Jesus is. But year in, year out, does this event, sits there, and it's slowly sinking in. 
And the best Christmas for me is going to come when those guys are sitting there. And I believe it will happen. That eventually, one of them is going to give their life to Jesus because they're just absorbing, without even realizing it, the Christmas message. And it's a reminder of why we do this. And we are looking at the, the idea of the best Christmas ever and what makes that. And for me, honestly, there's nothing better than that. There is nothing better than all the time and, and effort and resources that we put into what we do as a church than when somebody finds Jesus. It doesn't matter if the carols are sung perfectly. It doesn't matter if all the tech gear at church on a Sunday works perfectly or, or everything's so smooth and runs on time. But what matters is when someone walks in and discovers who Jesus is. That's the best Christmas ever. And this morning we're, we're looking at this topic and last week we looked at uh, Zachariah and his story and a little bit of a, a lesser known character, I suppose, sometimes in the Christmas story, but so important. And, and we looked and we learned that, you know, the story is not about us, but that we have a part to play. That the Christmas story, the best Christmas ever, the best Christmas there ever was, the birth of Jesus, is not actually about us and what we can do and what we can get and about us feeling good, but it's actually that we have a part to play in this whole story. And that's the privilege that we have. And this morning we're, looking at the, we're going to be looking at the story of Mary and uh, the angel appearing to her and, and telling her about the birth of Jesus and, and what's going to happen there. And Mary, obviously a, a much more well-known character than Zachariah, but has an equally important role in playing her part in the Christmas story and what that looked like for her. So we're going to be having a look today in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. And we'll just read through it and, and then begin to, to break that down a bit. And it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you, are, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. You know, often I look on social media and have a look at, uh, the, the, you know, a few different uh, people who use different hashtags, and one of them would be Teacher Life. And you teachers out there, you know who you are. You tell your stories of what your students do, or how, how you have to do marking, and it's Teacher Life. I'm putting my angel in this situation, Gabriel, and I'm pretty sure he would go home and he would have one called hashtag Angel Problems. Every time he shows up somewhere to greet someone, he says, greetings. There's nothing troubling about greetings. It's like a a nice, friendly statement, but everybody is scared of the angel. So here's what we'll do. If an angel ever appears to you, you've got to play it cool, act like nothing's happening, nothing's wrong, just, what up? How you going? Who this? You know, be nice to the angel. Don't make him feel uncomfortable by making him scared of you being scared so that he doesn't have to be like, it's okay, it's okay. But once again, Mary, minding her own business, boom, angel appears. And then he begins to give her this message and here's, where it is, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Verse 34, Mary asks, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. 
Then the angel left her. You know, we see in this story, she's there, kind of living life, doing her thing. An angel appears and comes and tells her that the Lord's favor is upon her. In this moment, Mary finds the favor of God on her life. She learns that she is favored by God. The reason this is a big deal for Mary is that there is nothing great about Mary, who Mary is on paper. Mary is a young, poor girl. In society, that's not worth much. It's not, it's not about putting her up. She's not someone that would have been looked to or someone that would have been considered to have gotten favor. She's not rich. She's not of high status. She's just an ordinary girl living out her life. Not rich, not wealthy, not well-known, but in fact kind of considered in some areas to be kind of the least of the least of who people are. Yet God chooses her and sends an angel down and says, by the grace of God, his favor is upon you. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to give birth to Jesus. He's going to be the Savior, the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And you are going to bring him into this world. God's favor is on you. You know, at Christmas time, we think about favor in, in different ways. And one of those that I noticed a lot, and I heard this in the shopping center even yesterday, walking around, a little boy having a conversation with uh, his mum and saying, Mum, I've been pretty good this year. I think I'll be on Santa's good list, and he's going to give me a pretty good present. And she was like, yeah, I think you've been okay. You know, like, don't get your hopes too high. But, you know, she was like, you've been pretty good. You're a good boy. You, you know, you're right. Santa should give you something. And we have this whole thing that's geared around naughty or nice, good or bad that we get something based on what we do. But when it comes to finding favor, when it comes to finding God's favor, it's actually not about naughty or nice, good or bad, status or no status, giftings, charisma. It's actually about His grace on our life. And you can't do anything to earn that. It's there for you. And there is something to be said, and we learned last week about faithfulness and living faithfully and living out the call of God on our lives and just chipping away and doing the right thing. But that doesn't earn us God's favor. It's given to us. That it's his grace that is poured out on us that brings us that favor. And so in this moment, Mary's scared of the angel, but he's quick to remind her, God's grace is upon you. He quickly reminds her why he's there and begins to set up what's happening. And everybody wants favor. Everyone wants grace. Everyone wants good things. Everyone wants that call of God on, on their life. And I remember growing up, I'd always look around and still attempted to do this today, to look at what God is doing in other people's lives and begin to wish for their favor. Look at what God's doing in that church with that person and, and that pastor. And look at, look at my friend who, who this has just happened to them. And it's easy to go, oh, wouldn't it have been great to have been Mary, written down as the, the mother of Jesus, one of the most important characters in the Christian story. But then we never see what's actually underneath, what actually happens, the things that people have got to go through. And I know for me, every time God has called me to something, it's always a little bit harder than what it would seem. You know, the, the, the saying sometimes goes that there are more questions than there are answers. That sometimes you're there and you, you think, oh, this is going to be great and, and, and I just want the call of God. And then, and then something comes, an opportunity comes and you look at it and go, oh, this makes less sense than what I thought it would. That seems harder than I hoped. That seems a little bit more confronting than maybe what I, what I wanted. And we're stuck there looking and going, oh man, there's more, I've got more questions now than, than what I had answers. And this is what's happened to Mary. 
She's confused and greatly disturbed. You know, I, I look at this as the, the kind of, I love caller ID. I don't know if there's any caller ID fans out there. I'm a fan of caller ID. I like to know who's calling me. I like to know if I know the number or don't know the number. I like to see if it's private number because that 90% of the time, that's telemarketers, you know, to let that one go right through. There's a lesson, don't call me from private number. There's a Telstra number that always calls me, 6228. I've memorized the beginning of it. That's a no-go. They're gonna try and sell me something. I ain't got time for that. But I love caller ID because you know who's calling you. You can, you can begin to gauge whether it's gonna be, you think it's gonna be an important phone call or an awkward phone call or a call that you wanna take or don't wanna take. And it prepares you for what's ahead. But I don't know about you, sometimes my phone rings and a name pops up on there. And I'm like, what the heck is this? I was not expecting this phone call. What could this person possibly want? What could this mean? Maybe it's someone you haven't spoken to for ages. Sometimes for me, it's Pastor Dean. I'm like, am I in trouble today? Does he want me to do something? Are we just hanging out, watching basketball? I don't know. It's a mystery. I'm disturbed. No, I never do that with Pastor Dean. But the reality is, when we see that and we see someone and we see something, it puts an idea into our mind, doesn't it? And Mary's there and she sees this angel and a microphone freaks out and she doesn't know what to do. But he reassures her, reminds her of the grace. But then the calling comes, you're gonna have a son called Jesus. And there's only one problem with this situation for Mary is that Mary's not even married yet. And when she says, how can this be? Last week we remembered it was the, the faith issue for Zachariah. Like how could this, could this possibly happen? We're so old. We feel like we're past that. Mary's not asking a question of, of faith of could God do this? She's asking the question of like, how could this possibly happen right now? I'm not married. Kids is like five years down the track once we've traveled the world and you know, bought a house and get that new donkey we've been waiting for. You know, it's, it's not on the radar yet. In fact, Joseph, when he finds out about this news, is like, I'm out. My, my, my fiance can't be pregnant. That's not right. I gotta get out of this. This is gonna be awkward. You know, I don't know if you've been on Facebook and ever seen someone uh, put up the status relationship and then it says, it's complicated. I never understood that properly until I read this passage this week and was like, now I know what complicated is. You know, she's gone, Mary, you know, engaged. Can't wait to be married to, it's complicated. <laughs> I don't know what to do here. In fact, an angel appears to Joseph and tells him the same thing, that everything's gonna be okay. You need to stick with Mary. This is a thing of God. And so he does the same thing, he sticks it out. But in that moment, she can't see what's gonna happen. She's left with all these questions. And really, it leaves her with a choice. She can either embrace what God is saying to her, the call, the message, what's being brought, or she could choose to fight and ignore that call. Okay, you know what, nah, nah, I'm sorry, that's just too awkward. That's not for me. Pick someone else. No, nah, no, nah, no way, this is, this is just too far. Or she could surrender to the call of God that is on her life. And you know what, the best moments in our lives come when we embrace surrender. And when we look at that door of surrender and we don't know what's on the other side, but we open it and we cross through and go, you know what? I'm gonna pursue this because God is in it. His favor is on me, I trust him. So I'll surrender my will, I'll, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'm gonna persist with what God is saying and I'll surrender to him. 
You know, sometimes we look at our, our friendship with God and our relationship with God as exactly that, a friendship. That, oh, this is something we, we do together. That, oh, we'll work it out together, God. But sometimes we've got to realize that God actually leads us. That he is calling us. It's not, it's not a, a democracy. It's an identity that we get from God. It's not about what we think might be best. Hey, let's just chat about this and work it out. God is here to lead us. And I love it that it says in, in verse 38, it says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. She doesn't begin to haggle with God or, or ask, hey, can this just wait a few months until we're married or, or can you choose someone else? She's like, no, may your word be fulfilled. I am your servant. In my, in, in my younger years, I was a school chaplain. A few, it was a fair few years ago now. It actually surprises me every time how long ago that was. And I used to love that job and I used to love the school that I worked in and I used to love the outdoor ed program. In fact, that was my favorite thing, kind of just going surfing and snorkeling and rot nest trips and, and all this stuff. But there was this one responsibility that used to come with the privilege of hanging out in outdoor ed and it was the dredged outdoor ed hiking camp. And uh, we would take these students hiking three days, 20 odd Ks a day. And I got no problem with walking and hiking. In fact, actually, I really enjoy that. 16-year-old kids in my eyes became the problem to the hiking camp. They rock up, they got backpacks full of coke, hair straighteners, hair dryers, playstations. There's no power, but they still want to take their Xbox down because somehow they'll work it out. And we would quickly inform them, no, you can't take that with you. In fact, one of my most memorable camps comes with True North Church's most mentioned person, Charlie Matusik. For those of you who know Charlie, you can decide what kind of student he was to camp with. Uh, I can let you know later, or you can ask him. No, don't ask him, ask me, I'll tell the truth. But Charlie was on one of these camps one year, and I remember that fondly. And, and we'd go away, and we'd empty their bags. We'd take all the Coke, all the Playstations, all the hair straighteners, all the hair dryers. We'd lock them in the shed, and they would complain. But then we would start walking, and a funny thing would happen. The complaining would turn to gratefulness that they're no longer lugging around cans of Coke and hair dryers and Playstations and all these things that they didn't need. But the complaining would then soon turn to just, do we have to walk any further? And I, I would always just tell kids it was 2Ks, no matter how far it was. It could be 25Ks, it could be 500 meters, it was always just 2Ks. They never learned how far 2Ks were. But we would just walk and walk and walk. And I remember having this particularly challenging group of students one year. And uh, they just complained a lot, they, they, they broke the rules all the time, and our job was to teach them leadership, it was to teach them how to kind of, you know, navigate through life's challenges, through, through walking and whatnot, and I remember one day we were walking and we, we passed a turn off, and I was like, I wonder how this will go down, and so we kind of just walked for a minute, I let them read the map, we got probably 500 meters away down the road, and uh, I said, hey guys, we've missed the turn off, we need to turn around and go back, and this one particular student begins to tell me that they hadn't missed the turn off. And I'm like, I promise you, we've missed the turnoff. Like, I've done this walk, like, probably 20 times. The turnoff is a bit further back there. I was just letting you navigate, but now it's time to go back. And so they kind of start talking amongst themselves. And one of them goes, I think we should take a vote. And I'm like, please, go on. And he's like, we should vote. Most amount of votes wins. And I'm like, there's no win or loss in this situation. You do as I tell you to do. But then I'm like, all right, we'll see what happens here. And I'm like, well, who votes? that we turn around, walk the 500 meters and go down the right path and get to lunch on time. And like, I put my hand up and no one else does. I'm like, okay, I'm seemingly unpopular. So realizing that I can put some peer pressure on some people, I start to stare at the weak ones, like, <laughs> and you see them like kind of put their hands up, yeah, like, yes. So I get it to about four votes. <laughs> 
And then this brash young man is like, who votes that we keep walking? And everyone's like, yeah, me. And I'm like, all right, let's go. So we keep walking. Three kilometers later, my friend turns around to me and says, uh, sir, I-, I-, I think we've gone too far. And I was like, you would be right. Let's turn around. So three Ks back the other way we go. Onto the right track. We miss lunch. It gets dark. And he turns to me when we finish the walk and he goes, sir, Ryan, I will do whatever you tell me to forever. I'll never question you again. And I'm like, good. Set up my tent. I take my steak medium rare in that Trangia and uh, you will sweep out the bus when we get back to school and just started giving him all these jobs. And he couldn't question me again. He had to do it. But what these kids needed to learn that life is not always just about democracy. Actually, sometimes we need to listen to leadership. And when it comes to our walk with Christ, sometimes that's how we look at it. God calls us in a certain direction. He tells us to do something. Maybe he corrects us or steers us or or tells us our part to play in the story. And we begin to act like it's a democracy. Can I vote on that, God? Or, Or how about this? Or can this be negotiated? But when we realize that our identity comes from Christ, that it's him who is leading us, he is shaping who we are, we realize it's not democracy at all. It's actually our identity that we're having formed through following Christ. And as we enter that doorway of surrender, as we begin to surrender to him, it doesn't matter how many questions are left. It doesn't matter how big the the challenge ahead of us looks. We know that he has called us and his grace is on our life. That he doesn't fail. I love it. It says the word of the Lord never fails. He never fails us. He wants us to be a part of his story. He wants us to be a part of doing his work in this world. And that's not all for us to, to do the same thing, to go, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave my job tomorrow and, and work for this agency or a church or do that. But God is calling you right where you are. His grace is on your life. And he wants you to play a part in his story. And that's not always gonna be easy. It's not always gonna make sense. Sometimes it will be challenging and hard. But his grace is on your life. He has chosen you. Your identity is in him. And he wants you to follow him. I'm gonna invite the the team to come back up and join us this morning. We're gonna, in a moment, spend some time just singing to God one more time. You know, I love that we get to just pause today on on the day of all days where we've got a carols event tonight and then we've all got things going on. It's a, a busy time. But in these few moments, we just get to pause and reflect on who our God is, to to, to cast out all distractions. Time almost, I feel like my time almost stops in worship. And as I read and look at the words on those screens and realize the gravity of what they mean as I sing them, that I would surrender to God. And I'd love to just pray for us. I just wonder if in this moment we could just close our eyes for a second. And this morning, I just wanted to give a couple opportunities just to pray for some people today. And firstly, I just wanted to maybe pray for some people who are here this morning. And in your journey, you have not yet given control of your life over to God. You haven't yet surrendered to God and said, you know what, I want Jesus to form my identity. I want Him to shape who I am. His grace is on my life. And I wanna make Him the leader of my life. Or maybe you have done that before, but that's not the reality now. I would love to just pray for you this morning. 
And so if you could help me simply by just lifting your hand, if that's you, just so I know who I'm praying for. Sometimes as we, we lift our hand, it actually helps us uh, surrender to God in that moment. So actually go, you know what, I'm making a decision and I wanna make that a reality. So if that's you across this place and you say, you know what, it's time for me to make Jesus the leader of my life. That you wanna surrender all control to Him and His grace and calling over your life to just raise your hand and I'd just love to pray for you. So if that's you this morning, maybe you could just lift your hand just so I could see. That's awesome. Awesome. Once you put it up, you can just put that down. Is there anyone else just before I pray that says, I wanna make Jesus the leader of my life today? God, I thank you for, for every hand that has been raised, for every person this morning that's decided to make a decision to follow you. That God, they would understand that you are real, that you are for them, that you love them, that your grace is on their life. And Lord, that they would surrender to you that they would put aside the things that separate from you, the things that you came and died on the cross for God, and that you would be the leader of their life. Thank you, God. And again, I just wanted to pray for anyone this morning, again, who you say, you know what, I, I, I believe in Jesus. I would consider myself a follower of Him. I know that His grace is on my life. I know that He loves me. I know that His plans for me are good and that He has a plan for my life. But I'm in that stage right now where I feel like there's more questions than answers. It, it seems a little bit overwhelming maybe. Maybe it's a little bit too hard. Maybe you're beginning to try and negotiate with God over, over what His call is in different areas of your life. But today you know in your heart of hearts that it's time to surrender fully to God. To say, you know what, I know that the, the best moments come when I enter the door of surrender. And to let Him shape your identity, to know that you are secure in Him, to know that His grace and favour has always been with you. And there is no challenge too great that He never calls us to something that we cannot do. But He wants to walk us through it and see His call fulfilled in our lives. And if that's you across this place, maybe you could raise your hand. I'd love to pray for you as you recognize it's time to surrender to God, to stop negotiating, to put Him first, to know that He will get you through it. That's awesome. Once you put that up, you can put that down. Just before we close, is there anyone else in this moment that says, I'd like you to pray for me? It's awesome. That's so good. 